Today in the podcast, we're having a conversation about creativity. My guest is the extremely talented and creative Michael Dixon, and he believes that creativity is now the strongest economic currency. I recently read his book, Everyday Creative, A Dangerous Guide for Making Magic at Work. And with a title like that, I couldn't resist giving him a call to find out how to tap into some of that magic. I should warn you up front that this conversation gets a little dangerous, so listen at your own risk. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, liftoff! Hi everyone and welcome to Phone Calls with Clever People. My name's Shane Hatton. I'm a speaker, author and mentor from Melbourne, Australia and I'm passionate about all things leadership and communication. I realized recently that I know some really clever people in my network and I thought it would be a fun idea to be able to take some of their cleverness and share it with the rest of the world. Now through the wonders of technology, I'm broadcasting my phone calls with clever people just for you. And really the premise is quite simple. I just want to be able to ask great questions of talented people to help us all become more effective leaders. Joining him on the phone is Michael Dixon. He's an award-winning speaker, author, learning designer, and event curator. He's a musician by trade, gypsy by nature, fierce non-conformist, and prolific anti-perfectionist. He works with senior leaders and teams of Fortune 500 and ASX 200 companies to unlock breakthrough creativity. And with a bio like that, how could you not be excited? Michael Dixon, a big welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Great to be here. So before we jump in, one of the things I often like to do is start with some fast facts just to help people get to know you. So three questions. Where were you born? What was your first job? And then what do you do with yourself now? Born in Adelaide. First job playing piano for, I think it was a friend of the family's. It was his 50th or something. And I think I got 50 bucks to play for four hours or something. Um, And then what am I doing now? I'm, well, I help organizations. I help leaders and teams unlock their creative potential and then and and build cultures of innovation and i do a lot of that now virtually thanks to the wonders of covid that is the that's the world that we're living in now basically i'm i'm people are listening to us obviously on a podcast but i'm i'm talking to you on a screen and you and aesthetically everything is like absolutely beautiful and this is the world we're living in now you can tell who's doing a lot of this and potentially who's not doing a lot of this um hey we're gonna have a conversation about creativity today and it's a big concept almost like having conversations about leadership is a big concept and so i'm kind of interested to see where this conversation could go but i just finished reading your book and my natural tendency when i podcast is to jump straight in with the topic and go what's your definition of this um you know what what are you seeing in this area and i was like your book challenged me to be more creative in the way that i do my podcast and so the first question for you is actually not that even though as tempting as it is for me to want to do that my question for you, the first one is, is what's the question you wish people would ask you? Because you're obviously doing a lot of conversations around your book and, and doing podcasts and like, what's the one question people aren't asking you, but you wish they would ask you? It's a good question. Uh, I want to give you a meaningful answer. Yeah. What's the question I would like them to ask me? Yeah, it's a bit uh, inception, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Maybe, I mean, what I enjoy most in these yeah. podcasts and stuff like that is to dance 
with the emergence of the conversation that's really willing and wanting to be heard. So mm. obviously you're being very generous, jumping, hey, Mike, come and jump on the podcast. Let's talk about your book and do all these things. And yes, there's a there's an element, a subtle element of marketing and PR behind that. And isn't that fantastic? Great. Get the message out there. But really, I think the most, what I'm most intrigued by, as I'm sure you are, as I'm sure your listeners are, because we're all the same, is when the conversation just gets dangerous and it goes yeah, to unexpected that. places and, and it's really like, well, that happened, you know, and so it's less about, hey, you know, tell us your life story and tell us how you got to where you are and rah, rah, rah. What, what I, prompted you, know, you to write the book? What to, You know, all, all those kinds of things, right? And you know what? It's really interesting. So already it's getting cool. I had this moment this morning because I've actually done two other podcast today, funnily enough, just like you, I'm sure you're doing a 10 a day <laughs> yeah. at the moment, right? And, um, and I thought, I, I, I had this instinct, there was an, an intuitive voice in me that said, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if, if like Shane asked me stuff, I might even say to him, hey, you can check that out on these other podcasts. Mm. But let's talk about something else instead. Yeah. So there's, there's, but isn't that fascinating that you asked me that? Instead, like, and we're already there. We've already. Well, I feel arrived. like already the conversation's taking us in the direction, and this is the the idea of like what you're unpacking. Your book is this this disruption to the the regular rhythm and the flow of the way that we do things, and I just love it. It takes this conversation into dangerous territory already. Me too, man. It's perfect. It's <laughs> and and what I mean, I think your listeners would agree. It's just it's so much more exciting, you know, yeah. to be a part. You feel like you're that this is a participatory experience and that we're all mm. in this together. We don't know where we're going to go. But if yeah. we think of um, hopefully a lot of us have traveled at some point in, in our lives and the best travel happens, you know, when, when it's an unexpected meeting mm. and it's a chance discovery and it's a serendipitous opportunity and you say yes to it. And then the next thing you're like, oh my God, we're on the side of a volcano drinking wine with a bunch of Spanish folk. And there's a sunset happening on one side of the mountain and there's a, thunderstorm happening on the other and you fall in love with the universe all at once and it's like geez i'm glad we didn't get on that organized tour yeah you know good 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 picture and metaphor that you're bringing into that and and you described it i've heard you describe it as the the tourist and the traveler the two mm -hmm. different experiences and it reminded me a little bit of the art of travel um in that conversation that where we often go to places um, that we're not quite ready to experience yet. Mm. Um, and often we find ourselves in places as a tourist um, where we kind of jump on the tour bus and we go around and we see things and we look for things that we feel like we were lacking at home. But what you're touching on is the the conversation around creativity can allow us to sit in places and experience those moments um, in a really different way. I love it. And even tying that to leadership mm. in in this idea of you get on an organized tour. Okay, we're gonna go there at that time, then there when they're having lunch and then we're getting off and we take a photo of that and then we come back to the hotel by six and then I can freshen up and we can go to dinner, it's already arranged. It's, it's, there's no risk. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, it's safe and it's comfortable and it's convenient, but you're not gonna get anything other than what's on the menu. It's like, this is what you've got. And mm. that's cool, that's fine. But there's just, there's an inf infinity of possibility that happens if you veer off of that, you know, and as leaders, are we just trying to stay within the path? You know, this mm. pre-designed, predisposed idea of, okay, we've got to get there. We've got to tick that. It's convenient. It's got to be efficient. It's got to be productive. Yeah. We know what we've got to do in each quarter. Rah, rah, rah. Or are we staying open to, man, let's go down that road. 
Who yeah. knows what's going to happen there? What's going to... Uh, the possibility of things, right? All and, of that. and this is the conversation that people have as leaders in an organization. If you were to speak to any senior leader in an organization, say, do you want your team to walk the worn path or do you want to carve out a new path? Do you want to be a pioneer or do you want to follow the trend? Everyone would say, I want to be a pioneer and I want to blaze a new path. But this kind of thing... As soon as you start having conversations about the risk and the danger and mm -hmm. the the, the discomfort that comes from a, an, uh, these conversations, we're like, oh, you know, that's not really what we're looking for. Mm. Like, where's this discomfort? Like, well, where's this? Um, it's almost a risk aversion, isn't mm -hmm. it? To, to wanting to take some of those risks. Where do you think that comes from for people? Fear and and convenience. I think there's a subtlety. There's an there's an underlying insidious nature to making things convenient. You know, when, when it's safe and normal and warm and clean and white Western lifestyle that we're used mm. to, um, the, the underside of that is that anytime there is change or unexpected or disruption, I can't handle this, I'm freaking out, this is way too much for me. And that, that what we really miss in that is that just like nature, like biology, like physics, like chemistry, when the heat gets turned on, is when alchemy happens, is when change yeah. happens, is when stars blow up, supernovas. It's it's this, you know, the this intensity of energy comes together and <laughs> smashes it apart. But that's that's when the magic happens. Yeah. And, I, you know, thinking about it, even drawing it back to the book, um, you reminded me, as you know, writing a book or taking on a big project or running a big company, but particularly like a big creative project like a book, there's no way for you to finish that book unless you – unless you go through your own transformation. Yeah. Like who you are at the beginning of the book is different to who you are at the end of the book. So true. That's why so many people don't start or finish books because it requires you jumping into the cauldron, that fire of transformation and putting yourself through it. But mm. you've got to do it. There's no one that's doing it to you. The, the universe isn't going to spontaneously go, whoop, put a pen in your hand and go, there you go. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. I woke up one day and I'd written a book. It just doesn't <laughs> yeah. happen that way. You have to do it to yourself. And, and that takes such a, like the inertia, trying to get that energy to do mm. that is um, – when everything's just so safe and convenient, you know what? I can write the book next week. I yep. can take. I can do that project next quarter. I can look at changing my lifestyle next year. It's hard, man. It is, and I feel like what we just did. We we dived into probably the end of the podcast conversation, right? Which is what everyone wants is this dangerous, creative, combustible kind of environment. This yeah. pioneering environment. But then there's this barrier that gets in the way, this fear, this risk aversion, all those things. I feel mm. like we jumped to the end of it. Like, let's rewind. Let's go back a little bit and, right. and let's start with your creative journey. Because, right, because mm -hmm. you're you're obviously a creative person. Um, you're a musician. Like, where, like, take us back in your story. Like, where did this kind of come from? Where did it emerge for you? It has always been there. So music uh, was there very early. I got a piano at five or the family did and that and that straight away was there and I, and. I tell a story actually that that um, there's my first ever piano teacher when she was teaching me just to learn, you know, like here's where the C note is and here's D and here's E and ah, and here's a stave and that's where that goes on the page and that's where it goes with your hand and all of that. It would have been the second or third lesson and she gave me, a, you know, I still remember this little book that she made with a cool cartoon on it and it was Mary Had a Little Lamb. Da, 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 E, 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 D, 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 E, G, G. And I was like, yeah, cool. I turned it over the page 
you know, over and wrote my own on the back. And I had no idea what I was doing, but there was this very innate drive to want to create my own song. Like I love Mary Had a Little Lamb, but there was there's something in me that mm. was like, yeah, but what about my song? You know, yeah. and that and that I think is is captures the spirit of so much of my life, and that's been both a blessing and a curse in terms of, yeah, I want to do it my way, yeah, but that's cool and I love that and that's awesome, but can we do it like this? What about if I try that? And that and that took me into jazz, you know, which is at the time everyone's listening to. Pearl Jam and, and Nirvana and Chili yeah. Peppers and I'm listening to Ray Brown and Oscar Peterson and, and Ernestine Anderson and all these cats and no one has any idea who they are. If it's just outside of the square and I loved it and and I travelled when others didn't and I lived in places that others wouldn't and it just always seemed to be a, a life of, cool, that's what's happening there but what about over there? I want to know what they're doing. There's something exciting and dangerous and wild about that, Mm. which has always really intrigued me. And I I think I find now, I found it very interesting when I first started moving into the business, you know, world, because I would see these folks when I was a professional muso for years and I'd see everyone on a Friday night Mm. because I'd play from, maybe I'm in the Hilton lobby and it's six till nine doing cocktail hour. And that's the, the ties are getting loosened and then taken <laughs> off, you know. And You're the, watching and the, people become slightly normal. Well, right. uh, well, and loose, man. Yeah. You know, they're not normal at all. That's what used to freak me out. We used to <laughs> joke about it. We'd say, oh, cool. It's like the gig from nine till midnight, different story. But if you've still got people, you know, from the six o'clock till nine o'clock slot that are still there from nine till 12, they're there's something not right in their life because they're cutting loose. They, it's like their whole week, they have not been able to express themselves. It's like, there's like a moment of freedom for people. It's just this absolute, I need to let myself go. I mm. need to, ah, I've been keeping it in all week. Ah. <laughs> yeah. And we would see it. We just feel like, wow, man, this is wild. You know, the guy in the middle of the dance floor and it's like, dude, it's, it's, 10 past eight, you know, <laughs> people are just still just arriving. Yeah. And that, that always fascinated me. And the more, the deeper that I've gone into, into the world of work, you know, big business and, and stuff like that, I just see a need for, mm. for the arts, for creativity and particularly for self-expression, which yeah. is, which is really what I think underlies creativity, at least in the way that I define it mm. is um, people need to express themselves and we've lost connection to ourselves in that way. And I think that that's a massive opportunity for organisations not to exploit and extract like in a real capitalist way, but Mm. in a generative, generous, human-centric, future of humanity way, organisations can be a platform for people rediscovering and expressing themselves in their own unique way. I love the way that you've brought the human element to this because we can obviously, we could have a conversation about creativity and all the elements that go with creativity, but really what you're having a conversation here about is how do we make our workplaces more human, Mm. which is how do we allow people to show up fully in themselves and express themselves and contribute and be generous with their ideas and their time and their talent within an environment that's a corporate environment, not just at the, you know, on the weekends or in their hobbies or in their own personal time. Yes. And that, and the way that I define creativity is, is essentially it's life itself. It's just pure energy. It's wanting to move and grow and evolve and test and tweak and change and dance. And that's what, yeah. that's what an organization is. 
you know, when it's when it's winning, when it's thriving, is when people are there and they're throwing out ideas and they're they're curious about things and they're jamming with each other and they're making music together. Mm. It's bringing people together in such a way that everyone can be a no to record or an instrument and they can make mm. music. Yeah, I love it. Like Seth Godin wrote a blog recently talked about, um, it was, he asked the question, have you ever heard of an oboe orchestra? And he's like, well, you haven't because they don't exist. It's like every unique and valuable instrument plays its part, but to, together collaboratively you play this beautiful song. Mm-hmm. And often one of the things that comes to mind when people think creatives, right? We think mm-hmm. of creative people. We often think people in the margins, not in the masses, mm-hmm. right? So we think of the creative as the artistic Um, and they're the, the people who are struggling to make an income. They're the people who, you know, are gigging on the weekend to try and, you know, become Mm -hmm. the next big thing. But we don't think as the creatives, as the business leaders and Mm -hmm. and the people who are in that space, Mm -hmm. like where's the, where did this disconnect come from those two or this perception? And it's funny. it, It is a very human, um, it's a, it's a, it's so dysfunctional because at the same time we still hero guys like Steve Jobs. Mm. So we think creatives are drug addicts or they're they're irresponsible or they show up late or they're skinny jeans living in Fitzroy (laughs) and they're pretentious and hipster and whatever else. But, but at the same time, we love, you know, we love, um, Steven Spielberg straight ahead guy. You know, it's not, he's got wife and kids and he's meat and three veg kind of guy. And yet, here we are, Tom Hanks, profoundly creative guy, and yet he, he kind of represents the everyman. So we've just got a mixed up story about what creativity really is mm. and who has access to it. Uh, and, and I think that's the part of what this book is about is trying to redefine it for everyone or actually not redefine it. It's it's giving empowering people to define creativity for themselves. Yeah, and and embedded in that is also that there's no one way for you to reclaim your creativity because mm. the journey back to you finding yours and expressing it in the world is a creative act and it's yours. You get to own it. You get to joyfully play with your own voyage back to the center of your creative self. Yeah. You know, and you talk about it as reclaiming your identity, right? Like this idea that we, we have this, um, perception or this story we tell ourselves that there are some people who are creative and there are other people who are you know who are not and uh, you know this this show's called phone calls with clever people and someone messaged me and they go are you going to do a phone calls with everyone else like because what about the non-clever people like where do they fit with all this and, yeah. and there's this idea that i'm like no everyone has and you talk about it as mm. like that everyone has this contribution that they can make um mm. for me it's like everyone has a cleverness it's mm. like something that i can contribute to the world um and so we try and define you're creative and i'm not but you're you you talk about is reclaiming that identity as, mm-hmm. as the fact that we're all we've all got this capacity to to create yeah yeah a lot of people talk about there was a woman it escapes me now but she did um, some fascinating research through the 90s and found that that our capacity for imagination is on a massive decline so mm-hmm. it, the study was called or the the research paper was the creativity crisis as though, whoa, we're living in this creativity crisis. Whereas I don't think we are. I think we have, like you said, an identity crisis. It's the story we tell ourselves about our own creative capacity or about our own, you know, capacity to be brave or whether we're gregarious and outgoing or whether we're an introvert or whatever, Mm. whoever we think we are is who we are. And that, and at the core of that is just a story. It's something that you've made up, whether you're conscious of it, cognizant of it, 
you you were in control of it. You were heavily influenced by an environment. You made particular choices at, at different points in your life, and then you've reaffirmed that belief over time. Mm. That's that's your identity. This is who you are. And I love doing this kind of work with 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 industries that are particular. They stereotypically are seen to be boring or beige or lame or mm. like, Ugh. and I'll never forget. There was one I did a bunch of pharmacists. There was about a thousand pharmacists in a room. We were talking about you know. What are you living in? You know, what's the context you're living in? What's the story, the narrative? And they were like, oh, you know, boring, this and that. And this one guy goes, read the phone book for entertainment. And I was like, man. <laughs> you know, he goes, yeah, someone said that to me at a barbecue once. I went, how, how does it feel living under that? And they were like, it's, mm. you know, this is not fun. You know, we're just seen as farmers. You know, we're boring, we're lame. You know that you can rewrite that narrative. Yeah. That you can be whoever. And then, you know, through the, the process we were in, then it became, oh, we can do this and we can do that. And the moment that they started identifying themselves as creative or colourful or brave or daring or however they were, then it started, you know, into it very quickly became into little things they could do, you know, like not read the phone book for entertainment but like wear neat pink neon to work or whatever. Yeah. And then it suddenly it, it actually very quickly transformed into, you know, i got a great idea I reckon I might try at my pharmacy. And, and it was immediately emergent. Address the story first. Just yeah. look at who you already think you are in relationship to creativity and go there. Because if you do anything over the top of a story will just be a Band-Aid on a, on a wound that's hit an artery. If you were to take any of the big leadership conversations we're having, um, most of them come down to a story that we tell ourselves. Yeah. And that story we tell ourselves shapes the way that we show up in the environment that we're in. And then the way we show up in the environment we're in shapes the environment that it becomes. And so this is the, the, the continual theme that I'm hearing in all of our conversations, right? Which is, if I want an organization that has more creativity, which touches on all the things we were talking about at the start mm. of this podcast, that mm. dangerous, that pioneering, yeah. that edginess, that sense of blazing a new path. If I want all of those things, I actually have to come back to me as a leader and ask ourselves, like, ask myself, okay, what's the story I'm telling myself about my own personal creativity? Is that mm -hmm. kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah, absolutely. And then I, I have a hunch that for some of the listeners out there, the next question is, okay, so what do I do about that? Yeah, good question. You know, where do I go? Like, okay, I've addressed my story. I've seen that I don't think I'm very creative. Now what? Yeah. And, I and you know, you can start, I don't want to get too um, micro into the detail of what to do, but, but there is there is a magic that takes place when you take action. Yeah. Like you've got the first book I wrote is called just do something. It's a guidebook for turning dream dreamers into makers. And it fell out of me writing and releasing. There's a story. So I, I accidentally bought this beach bar in Cambodia once I had a guest house. It was <laughs> awesome. And just FYI, there is so much more that I want to dig below that story, but for time's sake, we won't. But we will, we will continue yeah, that we'll story do it over a margarita because I had a Mexican <laughs> restaurant and it was good. it was amazing. And and then you know I sold that, and then I was going to go to Central America and do the same thing in uh, El Chalten, this lake in in um, in uh, Guatemala. And I just as I was about to leave, I got an opportunity to buy lease some land in the jungle, and I did. I built a geodesic dome like Bucky full minister and I lived wow. in it and I was like, okay, I'm going to write songs. This is what everyone dreams about. I'm going to write songs and a musical and do all this stuff for a whole year. It's going to be amazing. And I wrote on the inside, I had this chalk stuff of like months, the days that I was writing and it was going to be so productive. So just prolific. And it got to October 
And I was like, huh, I really haven't done as much as I thought I'd done. Wow. You know, I'd written a bit and I'd, you know, had a great time. And sure, there'd been lots of boozy nights on the beach and you're just wearing boardies <laughs> and you're hanging out with water buffalo and backpackers and it was a pretty amazing year. But my my original intent, what if I had all the time in the world, I had no distractions, I had, you know, lived in a little dome in a jungle surrounded by water buffalo where, you know, this is what every artist dreams of. I have the perfect conditions and yet... I still didn't quite deliver. And mm. it, when that kind of dawned on me, it was like, okay. Uh, in, and in that week I had another opportunity. It was, it was to buy a 99-year lease on an island in the Gulf of Thailand with a guest house set up and I would, I would run it and live on it and that would be it. That would be the life that I would have gone. And I went, nah, there's something else here that I need to contribute. There's another path. And it took me back to Melbourne. And as soon as I got back, I started this project where I went, okay, what if I write – record and release an original piece of music every week for 50 weeks to make up for the year that I just didn't. You, you know, it's so easy to get self-conscious about stuff. You yeah. want it to be perfect. You want it to look amazing. You want it to, and you're writing a song and you've got a finite amount of time to do it in. And sometimes songs need time to percolate and you want to produce, but, but it's Wednesday. you got to put it out. I don't want to put it out. What if someone hears this song that doesn't know me? It's the first piece of music that they hear about me and they judge me on it. What does that mean for my identity? Like, uh, but am I explaining myself? Like with anyone that comes onto SoundCloud to listen to it, just a disclaimer before you listen to this track, I just want to let you, I didn't quite get enough time this week to do what I would have liked. And you know, the bass isn't quite there. That's what, if you go and hang out with a bunch of musos, that's what they're doing most of the time is they're justifying and they're putting disclaimers around everything mm. because everyone's so self-conscious and so terrified of what everyone else thinks about them, their identity and who they think they are. Mm. As time went on, putting out this song a week, I started just naturally to be like, you know what, I, I, I kind of don't have time to care what you think about that song. And you know what? I kind of don't really care what you think about me because that song's not me. That's just one of many. It's, yeah. it's just something I do. And then I stopped caring about the songs too. And then I didn't really care about the outcome of the songs. I kind of just enjoyed the process of making them and, you know, getting it. You know, I was just in a practice. It was just joyful. Oh, what's going to come out this week? What am I doing? Then off the back of that, you know, I did 50 weeks and I did 50 spoken word pieces. Then I did, I wrote the book in 50 days. Mm. Then it just became this habit of, of creating and making and sharing and giving and just, you know what, that's it. That's it. That's why I say, you know, prolific unperfectionist because there's something, if you ride on the back of, of taking action, if you can ride the momentum of making, it will deliver you to a life, to a career, to a position in an organization or a startup or a, or a relationship or whatever that you could not have imagined before you began that journey. Like, mm. and I can say unequivocally that the reason I'm here talking with you today is because I make things and I share them. Your first podcast will be woeful. Yes. Your first, your first live streaming TV show will be horrible. Your first newsletter, your first article on LinkedIn, it doesn't matter. Do it, then do another one. Mm -hmm. and then do another one and then do another one. My first book, I think it's pretty rubbish. People still write to me saying they love it. <laughs> it's not up to me to judge it. Yeah. It's not for me. You know, the process is for me, but the, the product of my process is for you to help you get into your process. And then the more that you're in your process, whatever the fruits of your labors are, like this podcast, that's a value to me. 
you get the value out of having lived through the podcast and the, and the mm. process of creating and doing all the cool marketing you're doing at the moment. I love it. It's awesome, Shane. <laughs> but, but the product of your, of your labor is a gift to me. And we're all just in this vibe mm. creating and sharing and giving to each other. And I think the, I love the lens that you put across creativity as a, is it, it's the lens of generosity and really the generosity is that we have something that we can give to the world. Right. And we have something that we could share. We, we often don't do that because of the story we've told ourselves um, that, you know, we don't have anything of value or just purely through waiting for it to be perfect enough for us to be able to share with other people as though we're the judge of whether or not it's good or bad. And so because we put ourselves in those positions, we often don't get that. But what we really want is to be the pioneering, the dangerous, the trailblazers, but we don't want to, we don't want to push through the barrier of fear or probably inaction in the process of all Mm -hmm. of that. Is that right? hundred percent. And then, and even in an organizational setting, there's a fear of being exploited Mm. and of other people taking the credit, but hang on, if I give away all my ideas and then Trish gets all the credit, she's going to get promoted. What about me? That was Mm. my idea. You know that, and and that's a very like that's a real threat or challenge in organisations. But to be the the spirit of abundance and the spirit of generosity when you do invite it into your life, and it's something that I, God, am I I am not a pro. You know, mm. it's it's having to remind myself I'll get. Oh, but that was my idea. You know, <laughs> I did it first. I thought no, you didn't, Mike. Nothing you have done is original. Yeah. You know, it's your interpretation of all of the influences that have brought you to this place. There's a poet called David White. I'm sure you've probably heard of him, but listeners at home should check him out. W-H-Y-T-E. He's a phenomenal guy. does a lot of work in bringing poetry to corporate space, but he's just, he's not of this world. And, uh, and he, you know, he tells this great story where he's like, I'm always surprised when people, when people say, you know, there are no free lunches in life quite often in a big conference center where literally on both sides of the room are (laughs) large, (laughs) large tables full of free lunches. (laughs) And as a, as a, you know, that as an analogy or a metaphor of everything we do is standing on the shoulders of those that have come before us. And that's Mm. whether that's your colleagues, that's your family, that's your parents, that's Hollywood, that's the rock and roll stars that we love, that's the cool Instagram influencers that we follow. It's the irony of this conversation and it's this whole idea of being able to attribute with honour, right? And it's being able to say yes and and thank you for what you did and here's what I could build upon for that. The funny part about it is that when I was reading your book, so I've for years um, I've had been saying to people because I'm – um, number one strength for me in terms of my Gallup strengths is ideation. And it, and for me, it's my brain works in connecting the dots between things, right? Yeah, yeah. And so my conversations with people often go, they go, how do you do all of this stuff? And I go, well, before I can connect them, I need to collect them. That's been my the way my brain works. And I, I collect all these bits of information and then I put them together and I create something new. Mm. And I'm reading through and I've always just felt like, yeah, this is like something that's original. And then there it is written in the book. And I'm like, <laughs> it's just another reminder that everything we have it, there's nothing really new under the sun. We have, have this, what we do is we bring together our experiences, our yeah. learning, and we, we get the opportunity to then contribute that to the rest of the world. I love it. And, that, and, and a great, you know, music, just look at music. Every, you know, every 10, 15 years, it cycles back. Yeah. And we're going to, oh, this is like that sound again. Oh, guitar rocks come back in. Oh, no, we're in, an intro, we're in a, like an electronic dance vibe at the moment. Oh, there's mm. a soulful R&B, hip-hop thing. That seems to be the flavour of the year. And it's just it's just this this seasonal 
you know, kind of a rolling wave of of familiarity with a with a unique spin, and and that's beautiful. I think that we can find solace and and safety in that of thinking, mm. oh God, thank God I don't have to be original. Yeah. Like, thank God I can just and focusing less on being original or being like the best or being, you know, and just being you as trite as that sounds, Mm. um, you will, you will be different. You know what I mean? Like you will look, sound, feel, be different if you stop trying to be yeah, and just own your vibe and just do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I heard someone who was in acting described recently, they were saying, tell me like, what should I be doing with my face when I'm trying to express this emotion? And their answer was, you shouldn't be trying to do anything with your face, express that emotion and everything that sits behind that will follow with it. And the expression comes out of that. And again, the similar conversation is like, rather than trying to ask, how could I be more creative, start to create and put, start to put things into action. 100%. Hundred percent. Um, like I want to, I want to bring the kind of conversation to to a close a bit. And and we, you talked about this I won't idea. Let you. That, uh, I'm, I've got no. I'm bad. not ready for it either. I feel like we could go on this conversation <laughs> we're all day. In. We're we're you, locking you, in. I just did a 24 t- hour book launch. So you and me, we're doing we're a ready week to go. long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be about 14 bonus episodes attached to this on the end of it, which I'm okay with. I'm okay. We've got season three already, already pre-recorded. That's great. A whole uh, season of my. You and talk shame. about creativity as like as a strong economic as the strongest economic currency, right? What do you think it enables us to be able to buy in our workplaces? Like what's creativity open the doors to um, for an organization to be able to unlock and for leaders? It's just potential. It's pure potential. So Mm. if your people are creative or if they feel safe enough, if they feel safe enough to make dangerous choices, if they're willing to have dangerous conversations, if they're, if they're, you know, leveraging their imagination, if Mm. they're, you know, they're taking the data, Artificial intelligence, automation, all our digital tools will continue with Moore's law to to eat most of the routine work. We know this. Mm. But what are you going to do with all that data? How are you going to use that to give your organization an edge? How are you going to manage multiple contexts, you know, manage the complexity of, okay, we need to deliver for shareholders and yet we actually really do want to deliver for the planet, and we need to make sure our customers are taken care of, but geez, we really want to make sure our people are our priority, but hang on. We kind of also want to support our community and geez, maybe we could even support our competitor. Mm. You know, when you get to like the size of Amazon and Facebook and stuff like that, it's, it's kind of like, guys, it's just not good for anyone being that big. Yeah. You know, how can you have that conversation? That's a creative conversation. That's a very, mm. and, and, yeah. you know, I could list off, I could list off a hundred statistics, believe me, that that show, oh, and this paper and this research and this case study of companies that are delivering higher return for shareholders that that are, you know, making more money and more innovative and more engagement and blah, blah, blah when they when they make creativity part of their DNA. Mm. But I think we all know this. Yeah. I don't think we need that proof. You know, we're seeing it, we sense it, we know it intuitively that if you're engaged, like if you, if you feel vibrant and mm. playfully engaged in your work in the same way your kids do when they were three, four, five, running around wild, curious, mm. you know, sensory, tactile, touching things, playing with things, getting over things, you know, getting upset and then moving on and, and 
just rock and rolling their life. Mm. Like my son, Dusty, he cannot walk five meters. It's, it's a swagger and then a dance and then he touches the wall <laughs> and then his shoulder drop and then he's picked up and he's half kicked off his pants and you're like, man, that's five meters. How did you yeah. make five meters that cool? <laughs> you know, it's, we can be like that in our life. We can be like that in our work. So why not? Yeah. You know? why, why not open the world to that kind of possibility? And especially in what you touched on, not just the weekends, not just six to nine on a Friday night. What if our, our weekday could feel the, the same um, sense of possibility that exists within man. our Monday to Friday work? That's, that's the kind of workplace that I would want to be involved in. Mm-hmm. And I suspect it's probably the kind of workplace a lot of people who are listening to this want to be involved in. So, I mean, if we could kind of like give you the, the 40,000 foot view of what we talked about, this idea here of like, we started leaping right in with this idea of what creativity unleashes within an organization. What we want is this dangerous possibility, mm. um, this ability to kind of blaze a trail and be pioneers but we often get held back because of potentially the fear or the risk or all the other things that come with that or just purely through inaction or the stories mm. we tell ourselves. Mm. Um, but really we can reclaim that identity as someone who has creative possibility. We can show up every day and we can create without the sense of it needing to be perfect. And in the result of that, we can actually shape the environments that we're in to become more creative. Is this the kind of stuff that I'm hearing from you in this conversation? Man. Hundred percent, and and I have a hunch that it might lead to a. So, what are people? What can they do now? What's one final you know thing for them? Yeah. If if someone you just you, you articulated that so beautifully. If if you're listening to this right now and you've got okay, that sounds amazing, Shane. But like, what's the first thing I can do? Mm. Even even shifting the focus off of you. And look for someone else in your company that you see is taking at least a tiny risk that is stepping a little further into their self-expression, that is that is making tiny creative choices and mm. support them, love them, empower them, tell them what they're doing in matters. Remind them, hey, hey, I see what you did there. That was amazing. Can I support you in that? Oh God, I've always wanted to do that too. I love the way you spoke up in that meeting. I love the way that you challenged us on that. Mm. It reaffirmed for them because they're just like you. They're terrified. They're worried that they're going to mix up or mess up or make a fool of themselves. They're out there on that, you know, thin arm of the tree, branch of the tree or whatever. Give them a parachute, you mm. know, blow wind in their sails. And then they're, they're going to do that for you too. You know, it's, it's starting with just recognizing who already is making these choices, who already is bringing this kind of stuff. And, and it doesn't have to be the most flamboyant, gregarious, outgoing person in your organization. This is the, these are the, the people, the unexpected, you know, I call them the daylight underground. They're the people that bring light into the shadows. They're just these magical everyday creatives. Yeah that are already doing it. And if you give them just blow wind, you know, this is a very leadership metaphor here, but <laughs> blow some air onto that little ember of yep. a spark and then it's it's a bonfire, man. I love that. And I love that, that you've shifted the focus towards the end of this conversation to be away from ourselves. Because again, we listen to this through the lens of what do I need to do? And there's plenty of things in here that we can do, but it's just simple things that we can do for other people make a huge difference as well. And we talked obviously at a macro level today, the book, um, Everyday Creative, A Dangerous Guide for Making Magic at Work, really digs down into the micro level of some of these conversations that we're having. And so um, if someone is looking for a next step beyond that that they can do is my encouragement to them is, is get the book, have a read of it and let it really ignite 
ignite something within you and help you recognize the creative potential that you that exists in every single person. Um, and obviously reach out and connect with you on LinkedIn as well. Amazing. You're Thanks awesome, so man. much for Dude, it. Love it. Let's do it every Wednesday. <laughs> what is that? Thursday. <laughs> That's it for another week of phone calls with clever people. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released. And of course, I'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews. Have a fantastic week.